In this episode of Unraveled, producer Stacey Nguyen looks at the world of psychedelics and how people are approaching the legalization of recreational drugs. My name is F.O.M. Fodjo and this is Unraveled. There are pivotal moments in people's lives that shape them into who they are today. That might be finishing school, falling in love, moving out, or maybe it was their first time trying a psychedelic drug. I think that my psychedelic experiences made me like a better person, uh, more compassionate, more empathetic. So I think I really benefited from that. That's Dana Larson. He's best known for his Canadian advocacy work with drug reform. I think that the most sort of intense psychedelic experiences I've had were actually on ayahuasca. With ayahuasca, you really feel like you're communicating with some other kind of disembodied intelligence. So whether that's an angel or an alien or some extra dimensional being or just parts of your own mind, but you definitely sort of feel like you're communicating with someone else. But I think some of that was really the most profound kind of intense experiences, always very positive, very healing, and and makes me want to strive more to be a better person. His mission to end the global war on drugs started 30 years ago when he tried cannabis for the first time. I was at a Pink Floyd concert, actually, with my brothers, and I had a few uh, puffs off a joint, and that was nice. Cannabis, the first time I tried it, I knew this was something for me, and I really enjoyed it, and I felt that it gave me some insights and perspective on things and enhanced my creativity. And sometimes in my speeches, I'll say that the decision to try cannabis for the first time was one of the best choices I ever made in my life. Ever since that first puff, Dana began actively fighting to legalize and decriminalize the use and purchase of cannabis. And three years ago, on October 17th, 2018, he and his fellow Canadian cannabis enthusiasts won that fight. We will soon have a new system in place, one that keeps cannabis out of the hands of our kids and keeps profits away from organized crime. Today, I'm also pleased to announce that the new recreational cannabis regime will officially come into force on October 17th of this year. Legalizing cannabis for recreational use was a trailblazing move for Canada. We were the second country in the world and the first among the G7 to legalize this drug. With Canada's size and global standings, the world watched as we began what the New York Times dubbed as the National Experiment, which shifted our social, cultural, and economic structure. After Canada legalized cannabis, this wasn't the end to Dana's activism. Today, among other changes, he's working to legalize the use of psychedelic drugs. We're talking about magic mushrooms, LSD, ecstasy, molly, and with a ton of research being done on these drugs, some experts are even predicting that this could actually happen one day, similar to cannabis. But how soon, if ever, might we see this happen? Will it just be for medicinal use or also recreational? Should I stock up on psychedelic company stocks now? And if they are legalized, will we start seeing dispensaries pop up around every block like we're seeing with weed dispensaries? Today, I'll be speaking with experts and guests to explore all of these questions, and we'll take a trip into the business of psychedelics. Now, before we begin, when we're talking about psychedelics, this name is actually considered a blanket term for several different drugs like MDMA, ketamine, and PCP, which are all grouped under the disassociative drug subcategory of psychedelics. 
but for the purposes of this episode, we're just going to stick to the more narrow definition of psychedelics, which are the classic hallucinogens. These are drugs like LSD, psilocybin, which is the active substance in magic mushrooms, mescaline, which is in a variety of hallucinogenic cacti, and DMT, which is the more active substance in ayahuasca. Like all drugs, there's a huge stigma surrounding psychedelics, and maybe that's for good reason, but it wasn't always this way. Let's start in the 40s and the 50s. During this time, research was actually being done on psychedelic drugs because of their promising impact to treat different types of mental illnesses. But then came the 60s, and with this decade came a rebellious youth movement that rejected the more mainstream American way of living. Psychedelic drugs began playing a role in this hippie culture and resulted in substance abuse. By the 70s, research into psychedelic drugs were essentially abandoned as a result of the stigma surrounding these drugs, particularly after 1971, when President Richard Nixon declared a war on drugs. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. But when all of these different people are telling you something is bad and you shouldn't do it, it kind of makes you wonder exactly what it does. What does it feel like? And what makes magic mushrooms so different from the mushrooms I chop up and put into my pasta? You know, it really varies by dosage as well, right? And so, but I find that that with, with the mushrooms or with acid, you, know, you, you take, the, take the ingredients and after about half an hour to 45 minutes, you start feeling an energy kind of rising. Uh, within yourself. Uh, there can be visual hallucinations, but to me, it's not really about the visuals, but you know, sometimes uh, things will seem to breathe and move. So like if you're looking at a wall, it's not necessarily super intensely, but it'll feel like it's flowing and rippling. And that's part of it. And that can be enjoyable. It can be a little frightening if it's too much, but normally it's a, it's a pleasant experience. But what's more interesting is, is the emotional experience and that you often will feel like a great deal of love and acceptance and forgiveness. People often cry or feel emotionally connected. Sometimes they'll have epiphanies about themselves or other people. Fast forwarding to 2021, while the recreational use of psychedelic drugs are still very much illegal, research has started back up over the last few years where various benefits have actually been shown. If you're unwell, they can make you well. If you're well, they can make you better. If you're good, they can make you great. That's Rodan Petranger. He's the director at the Canadian Centre for Psychedelic Science and the associate director of the Psychedelic Studies Research Program at the University of Toronto. One of the reasons I'm excited about psychedelics is because um, a lot of the way the medical institution thinks about uh, mental health is that like, if there's a normal curve, like there's a curve that's like big in the middle and small on the sides and the middle is like people who are averagely mentally healthy. We just need to move the left part, the people who are unwell, we need to move them to the middle. And that's what most antidepressants, most therapy, that's what it's geared towards. We just want to make people okay so that they can go to work. And I think that psychedelics are cool because they can move the whole curve to the right. So if I am right about this, that's very, very exciting. At the same time, the flip side to that is that I think it's really important to remember that psychedelics are chemicals. 
they can do things to our brains, but they can't fix our problems. Psychedelics can make you more creative, we think, but they can't make you use that creativity for anything. You still have to like do the work. And psychedelics can make you less depressed. But if your life is bad, then your life is bad. And I'm now hearing people talk about psychedelics as the end to depression. And psychedelics can't be the end to depression because psychedelics are not the cause of depression. And while there's research showing that there are benefits to psychedelics, they still are, at the end of the day, drugs. And Rodem warns that they can be dangerous if they're abused. So there's this concept in uh, pharmacology called LD50. LD is lethal dose 50. So it's the dose in which 50% of subjects uh, die from an overdose from exposure to the substance. I don't remember off the top of my head what the LD for um, LSD or LD50 for LSD or psilocybin are, but it's something like, I think you would have to eat like 40 pounds of mushrooms um, and you would have to consume, I don't even know, maybe a kilogram of uh, LSD. It's like normal people cannot do that. So there's no physical risk, at least with acute use. There are some concerns if you use it chronically, so for an extended period of time. Psilocybin binds to a receptor that in other substances has been shown to cause cardiotoxicity, so it can be bad for your heart. Um, this is something that people who use psychedelics long-term should keep in mind. When taking large doses, just like be in a safe environment, set and setting are really important. So need to have the right mental set. So you need to be like calm. You need to feel good. Like if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling worried, if you're in a bad mood, maybe consider waiting until you feel better uh, and setting. So you want to be with people you like and trust. You want to be in a, an environment that you feel comfortable in. It's like maybe like sex. It should be something that we take pretty seriously. It should be something that even if you say, yes, I'm going to do it, when the time comes for you to do it, you can still say, actually, no, I don't want to do it. Currently, the production, sale, and possession of psilocybin and psilocin are illegal in Canada. But this hasn't stopped Dana, who nevertheless set up his shop with a large storefront banner reading mushroom dispensaries across it in large, bold letters. We provide, uh, we started off just with microdoses only. Now we do larger dosages as well uh, of psilocybin mushroom. Those are the magic mushrooms. Uh, we provide microdoses. And a microdose is where you just take like around a tenth of a dose or so. It's just enough so you just barely feel it but it can be really helpful for people dealing with PTSD, anxiety, trauma. You're probably wondering if Dana is selling illegal drugs, how is his shop even running? How have the police not caught on? Or how is he not in jail yet? I was thinking the same thing, but we actually saw a very similar thing happen with cannabis. Before it was legal, there were weed dispensaries operating across Canada, right in front of our eyes. People ask me that all the time. How are you able to do this? But the cops are going to come get you. And But really, city of Vancouver and in many other cities across Canada too, they don't really send a police in on these kind of things anymore. And, and there's a lot of the same legal arguments that applied to medicinal marijuana access apply to medicinal mushroom access. Vancouver especially, uh, the city and the police have decided that raids 
are not a cost-effective or successful way of shutting down places. When the cops come in, I mean, they did used to raid marijuana dispensaries here and there, but you would get a ton of blowbacks and the place would just open up the next day anyway. The police are like, this is not an effective use of our resources. After cannabis was legalized recreationally, Dana and other psychedelic enthusiasts were hoping that these hallucinogenic drugs will follow the same suit. But some experts are predicting something a bit different. These are very powerful molecules. So to, to, to legalize it in that way um, suggests that the public and folks are going to be very responsible about it. And, and that's a big responsibility to take, right? That's Saad Shah. He's the co-founder and managing partner of Noetic Fund, a venture fund that is looking to back scientists, researchers, and entrepreneurs who are looking into psychedelic medicine for drug development and discovery. While mushroom fans like Dana have already set up dispensaries across Canada, Saad is predicting that the incoming legalization of psychedelic drugs will likely be used solely for medicinal purposes. And I think that there's still such a misconception, misunderstanding about psychedelics um, that, that need to be addressed. And that will just come through proper education and, and just getting people informed about it the right way. Um, and, and I think that's all in the works. And perhaps at some point down the road, it, it may be legal in the way that cannabis is. But till then, till we still see psychedelics as a means to um, cure a particular illness, as opposed to really looking at psychedelics as a way to see it as preventative care and more for wellness as opposed to illness, um, we're, we're not going to see this legalized in the way that, that you would perhaps expect it to be, or you may compare it to the way cannabis uh, you know, was legalized. But Saad describes how he's confident in psychedelic drugs and its effectiveness in treating mental health illnesses. Technically, all of these molecules are illegal. There's a decriminalization process that's uh, abound in the U.S. where a lot of cities and uh, certain states have decriminalized it, which means that if you get caught with psychedelics, you're not going to go to jail, but it's not legal. And so there is a movement that's coming back and it's really being driven by the science. And the science is incredibly compelling. The science behind psychedelics clearly show that they're very efficacious, they're low on toxicity, and they've got high safety mechanisms. And the biggest issue that's going for us and the largest epidemic globally is mental health and is getting worse. This is, this is a dire situation and, and there needs to be some form of a, a reprieve from it and an ability to, to just feel more comfortable inside one's head because no matter what and where you go and where you travel and what you do, we're spending most of our time inside our heads and it'd be nice to make that a comfortable place to hang out. Today, Canadian psychedelic stocks are popping up onto the scene in the same way cannabis stocks exploded into the market before it was legalized, with over 20 psychedelic companies listed on Canadian stock exchanges. But if they're illegal, why are so many people investing their money into it now? You, you know what? We're, we're very early innings in this. There's no revenue potential for another five or six years. Uh, we're probably going to see... Um, you know, uh, psychedelics slowly start to come out for distinct uses and purposes. But we're, psychedelics are right now are going after a very, very large market, right? It, the, so the total addressable market here is, is huge. It's well over 350 billion, maybe even more when you, when you put all these various, you know, um, mental health related ailments together. 
Today, clinical trials are being done across the world on the effects of psychedelic drugs. While there is promising evidence that they can have major benefits, experts are still stressing that more research needs to be done in order for it to confidently be offered as accessibly as cannabis is today. Until then, advocates like Dana are continuing to support the destigmatization of psychedelics to promote further research and education. I'd like to live in a world where psychedelic therapy is widely available, where people can buy mushrooms or LSD and other MDMA and things like that as adults and, uh, and encourage them to use them in a responsible way, but for that to be available for people, both therapeutically and just for enjoyment. And I'd like to see an end to the persecution of drug users. I tend to believe that when more natural and milder versions are available under legalization, people tend to use those more. And we see this happening now, like with cannabis being legalized, the biggest growth is, is not in like eating so many edibles that you're hallucinating. It's in taking CBD and smaller dosages. As psychedelics become more mainstream, the trend is towards microdosing. I don't want to live in a world where there's anything's really prohibited. But I'd like to be in a world where the milder and safer forms are, are more accessible and people are led towards those more than they are towards the stronger concentrates. Uh, and so that's the kind of world I, I want to live in. My name is Stacey Nguyen, and thank you for listening to this episode on the business of psychedelics. This episode of Unraveled was produced by Stacey Nguyen. Our associate producer is Taha Hashmani, and our executive producer is Elena Duluigi. Special thanks to John Powers for composing our theme music, and Ben Shelley for creating our podcast artwork. Our professor is Amanda Capito, And special thanks to Lindsay Hanna and Angela Glover.